Tom Sumner program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
everybody this is the Tom Sumner program and uh, this probably doesn't seem like the day to think about going camping but yet it's not very far off and we're going to talk about exactly that with my guest this hour from National Geographic talking about a uh, a new fave from Nat Geo 50 states 500 campgrounds where to go when to go what to see and what to do, and we're going to talk with um, a uh, contributor and travel expert. Uh, let's see, um, I want to make sure I get this right because I saw a phrase that I wanted to include. Um, <laughs> oh, I know what it was editor, writer, and photographer Joe Yogurst joins me by phone. And uh, it's great to have you back again, Joe. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, Tom. It's great to talk to you again. How's everything out in uh, Michigan? Well, we're expecting about a half a foot of snow tonight, so. <laughs> okay, well, it's uh, blue sky and sunny where I am, so on the on the west coast at the present time. So, oh, good for you. We had of rain yesterday and the day before, so. Well, this is, um, this is a great time for this book to be... Uh, coming out and to be talking about this book because I was thinking about this before we started uh, before we started to connect um, this morning Joe I remember and this is going back 40 plus years um, that I don't remember back then making reservations for campsites no and, and I didn't either but that, but that seems like it's it's somehow it's the norm now. It became the norm because a lot more people started traveling. Um, the population of the country grew, but also, I think just the percentage of people that have free time and an interest in traveling and seeing seeing the country, and it really ramped up with COVID because it was the safe way to travel was uh, camping, RVing, and sleeping in a tent, going to a cabin somewhere. Um, and um, I don't think that that trend is going to end. I think looking towards the future, if you want to stay in a major national park in the summertime, you're going to have to plan a year ahead and hope that you get reservations. Um, that's certainly true of me. I am not an exception to that rule. Um, and I discovered in doing this book that, um, and I'll give you an example, um, the second trip I did for this, for this book was, uh, was an RV trip in Utah to five national parks and five state parks. And I drove to St. George and picked up a rental RV and took off from there with the family. And, uh, but having planned it maybe two or three months before, I could not get any reservations for indoor or outdoor overnight places in any of the five national parks that I visited. Really? It was impossible, yes. It now, was see, impossible. I was, I, even, I, I was thinking of, say, even with connections with the National Park Service, everything was full. 
That's that's wild. I because as I said, I, I was remembering back to some of my early days camping, and me and a buddy of mine. Um, I think we were, we might have still been in high school or just out of high school. Rode our ten speeds up to the uh, upper peninsula of Michigan. Yeah, from mm-hmm. from the southern, not the southernmost part, <laughs> but but from southeastern Michigan all the way up to the UP. And what we did was we stopped. Uh, we would ride all day and then stop at a state park, and we had marked them out on a map. We never called anybody ahead or made any special arrangements. We just rolled into the park and got a site and slept and got up in the morning, had some breakfast, and got on our 10 speeds and started on to the next park. <laughs> and we did that all the way up and back for like two weeks. Sure. And no problem and I, at all. And and now to hear that here you are somebody that's got connections with the National Park Service and with, you know, Nat Geo. And and you can't, you know, there's no room at the end for Joe? No, there's not. Um, not if I go during the high season. Um, so on this Utah trip, we ended up parking our RV at nearby state parks. Which was fine, because a lot of the state parks in Utah are in places that would be national parks anywhere else. They just have so much incredible terrain there. And they were state parks that were within half an hour drive of the entrance of the parks I wanted to go to, sometimes even less, sometimes five minutes away from the entrance. Um, And they weren't nearly as crowded, um, sometimes not crowded at all. Even in the height of August of 2020, it it wasn't that crowded. So like Kodachrome Basin State Park, which is near Bryce Canyon in Utah. And it's a, it's a gorgeous place with red rock cliffs and, and amazing hikes and sunsets and everything. And, and three really good campgrounds, and um, they were not full. You know, I would say they were 80% full, but you could have driven up in August. Bryce Canyon absolutely packed. And the, and, the, and the private campgrounds right outside of the gate absolutely packed. But if you drove... Half an hour down the road, you got a, uh, you could have driven up and without a reservation and got a campsite at Kodachrome Basin. So, it's still possible to do, but you have to be strategic about it. Is is some of that because a lot of the parks around the country are starting or or have been um, evolving programming? No, well, you know what I mean by that. I mean, some of them are having musical guests come in and play on Friday nights, and some of them have, uh, uh, you know, slide shows of wildlife and stuff. Well, it, you know, they've always had some kind of programming. Um, as far back as when I was <coughs> driving my my, <coughs> my old beat up Dodge around national parks in the West uh, during summers, you know, between college. Um, you know, they had ranger talks, and some of them had, you know, kind yeah. of history programs, and sometimes they had folk singers and things like that. And I don't think that that's the reason. I think it's just that the vast number of people that are now traveling and, and interested in parks that weren't before. Um, but I, I find this really interesting because the the title of the book, the new book, is uh, from Nat Geo, is 50 States, 500 Campgrounds, Where to Go, When to Go, What to See, What to Do. And and there's, there's just all this action to it. And I remember my early camping days and, and even some of the camping that I did with my kids when they were growing up. Um, mm-hmm. It was to get away from doing stuff. 
you know, sure. the the most we did was sat around the the campfire and uh, roast marshmallows and eat hot dogs and and uh, tell stories to each other. And and we didn't go out and do stuff. Is that has that changed? I think parks have more things to do than they used to. But if I look at the parks that I've been going to my whole life, in particular the Grand Canyon and Yosemite, uh, these are things that you could have done before, but they're more accessible now, I guess you could say. Um, Mm. The Grand Canyon, when I was going as a kid and even in college, you couldn't rent a bike and ride along the rim, but now you can do that. Um, but I, again, I, I think the difference is just the number of people. Um, you know, um, there's just lines that, you know, going to Arches National Park in Utah during that RV trip, um, they haven't added anything to Arches National Park. The basic arches are still there, right? There's no special thing you can do other than take a hike to look at an arch. Um, (laughs) But because it's close to Moab, and Moab has exploded with the number of things you can do there, it's gone from a little riverside village that had nothing back when I was doing this in the 80s into this adventure sport oasis paradise with with what seems like 100 things you can do. Um. If you're staying in Moab, you go and spend a day inside of Arches. Um, and, I had, I, and I knew before, even though I couldn't camp there, we camped at Dead Horse Point State Park, which is about 15 minutes away. And, um, and, I, had, and I, had, I knew from beforehand that if you didn't get there when the park opened at 6 o'clock, you probably were going to have to wait in your vehicle at the park entrance for an hour or two before they let you in because there was no place to park inside the park. There were so many cars going in from wow. day trippers from Moab, um, and again, it's not like they added anything. People are going, you know, people are going there to do their selfie, their Instagram post with delicate arch, and then they leave the park, right? And but it's, you know, Instagram has caused a lot of this. I have to say, Instagram and selfies have a lot to to, to, <laughs> to answer for for us hardcore for. campers. <laughs> yes. Um, so you know, I, national parks tend to be tend to rely just on what they have. I think other parks have started adding things, but national forests have gone more into the the tourism business, right? Rather than resource extraction, national forests were set up for timber and mining and letting ranchers graze their cattle for free. <laughs> That's what they were set up for. And now they're much more recreation-oriented, so they've been adding things, so they attract more people. And state parks, taking a cue from national parks, have added history programs and entertainment, like you said, and things like that. Um, and some national parks, in order to attract more people, have done that. Um, Biscayne Bay National Park in Florida which is a fairly new park and also fairly obscure that not a lot of people were going to. Um, they've added things like evening programs with folk singers singing, you know, sea shanties and things like that, which draw, you know, hundreds of people just to the park to see that. Um, but if they didn't have programs like that, that park in particular would be practically empty. Huh. <laughs> so, 
That's um, interesting. I, more about camping with Joe Yogurst from National Geographic straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. 
Adopt. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about camping with Joe Yogurst from National Geographic straight ahead. Now, I was looking at some of my some of my notes, and, and it had to talk about, um, I, I had a note to bring up and talk about glamping. And and I laugh every time I see that phrase. And and it seems like such a new thing, but I remember back in the in the forties and fifties, not me personally, but I've seen the films from the forties and fifties that mm-hmm. show these expeditions um in Africa uh, that are that yes. are big game hunting or something <laughs> and everybody's got their pith helmets on and they're staying in these huge tents and there's always some wife or grown daughter of somebody in the party that has a vanity yes <laughs> <laughs> and that goes way back when so it's not really a new idea but is it is it more popular now than ever it is and the roots of it are the the golden age of the safari in east africa without a doubt the hemingway type safari yeah from the 20s through the 50s is definitely the roots of glamping and a lot of the glamping places call them safari tents and a lot of times these tents are actually made in kenya or south africa or a place like that um and it's exactly the same thing. It's a big canvas tent you can stand up in, sometimes with a hardwood floor, fully furnished with a big bed and a vanity, a desk, right, a mirror. Um, the, the fancier ones have ensuite bathrooms with hot water showers and things like that, um, and decks that you can sit out and watch the, the sunset or the sunrise. Um, glamping places, much again like the safaris of old, they have a mess tent, which is where they prepare the meals and they have a bar and a gourmet chef to cook the food for you and an outdoor seating area where they often have singers and um, guitar players at night that they hire locally to come in and entertain the guests. So it's a whole different kind of outdoor camping experience and it costs a lot more money, but you get what you pay for. And it's for people that don't want to pound the steaks into the ground themselves and cook over the campfire themselves. How does camping compare um, price-wise to hotels and motels? Um, Well, glamping is more expensive. (laughs) That that doesn't uh, surprise me, Joe. (laughs) I don't know why, but it doesn't. Um. Yeah, it's a more, it's, but again, like I say, you get what you pay for. I mean, and I always suggest that even if you go and camp somewhere, if you feel like, you know, just stay once at, this is what my older daughter does, is that she's a big camper because she grew up camping, and she takes off to Wyoming and Montana and Northern California and Oregon and all these places, and, and she picks out a glamping place that's really expensive, and she stays one night there. And the rest of the time, it's on the cheap. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she treats herself. I've done that with night. hotels. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but you know, basic camping. You know, it, it doesn't. You know, most national park, state park campgrounds they charge 
anywhere from five to thirty bucks a night, um, and a lot of private campgrounds just for tents charge ten, fifteen, twenty dollars a night. If you have an RV, it can be up to you know anywhere from thirty to a hundred bucks a night to park the RV, depending on the hookups and the amenities. But um, but camping is definitely cheaper. Basic camping is definitely cheaper than staying in a staying in a motel or a hotel or a lodge. Um, if you do dispersed camping, I don't know what you call it in, in Michigan, but out in the West Coast, the national forests allow you to camp wherever you feel like it, which is called for no fee whatsoever. You know, it's free. And as long as you're away from everyone else and you do your own thing and you don't leave a mess and you don't start a forest fire. Um, and you can do the same on BLM land, Bureau of Land Management land out west. They have dispersed camping in the desert really? and mountain BLM areas where you can just drive out and I didn't I didn't even know about this but my kids discovered it and it's like they wanted to camp on the cheap and they found out a way you can do it for free and there are websites that are just dedicated to listing places you can cool places that you can disperse camp all over the well actually all over the country so now I remember you have to have a national forest or BLM land to do it I remember doing something similar when I was uh Oh, in my late teens and early twenties, um, and and even along the shoreline of uh, of the Great Lakes, um, mm-hmm. you know, being based in Michigan, but I always had the feeling we were sneaking in and sneaking out. Well, you can, <laughs> like it wasn't uh, it, really you know, approved. If you can find federal land that's that's like I said, a national forest or BLM, then, I mean, you have three national forests in Michigan, right? Huron and Hiawatha and a third one. Um, And I presume they have dispersed camping in those three. Um, I don't think you have BLM land there like we do out west. Um, But, um, you know, again, I think you can do it wherever there's a national forest um, without having to sneak in. (laughs) You could legally (laughs) do it and not pay a cent. Um, but, um, yeah, I've camped some places where I probably wasn't supposed to, but sometimes you get desperate if you don't have a reservation. What right? do you, what, <laughs> now, you mentioned going on a um, uh, trip with uh, campers, you know, with um, RVs. Yeah. And what's your favorite way? to camp do you like the amenities of having you know an an indoor trailer or something um you know with with uh all the provisions bathroom and kitchen and so on or um or do you like it a little more rustic um you know it's hard not to like glamping where you have a nice comfy warm bed and someone's making your meals but i really (laughs) like basic I, I, I really like basic car camping, and that's what I've done more than anything else. Um, and it's just easy to load up the, the car and drive somewhere and just, you know, put the tent up. And And I've done that so many times with my family and then younger in my younger days um, that it's almost like second nature. And I think for both of my kids, it's second nature for them now, going out with their friends and doing it. Um it's just the easiest way to do it, I, I think. Um, I like staying in cabins. I like finding really cool historical cabins to stay in that have been around for 100 years or more. Um, something I discovered doing this book is staying in vintage 
travel trailer parks in 1950s, late 1940s vintage Airstreams that have been renovated. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because there's, I think there's a real sense of history with those of road trips of years gone by. Not to say that I ever had an Airstream, but it just, you know, it reminds you of an era actually before I was born and more of my parents' era. And, um, but I just think they're really cool things to stay in, these old Airstreams. And now new Airstream resorts are popping up around the country. There's one that just opened in Cape Cod, a new Airstream resort. Um, and um, so that, that's another way to, to do it. Um, and, uh, and I like, um, which you can do a lot in Michigan, canoe, kayak, and boat camping is a whole different thing. Um, in the Great Lakes region, especially the northern Great Lakes, the Upper Peninsula, northern Minnesota, yeah. northern Wisconsin, is, is just prime territory for, for kayak and canoe camping. And um, and our our rivers out west are a little bit too white water to do it on your own. Um, but I did it for this book. I, d I took my youngest kid out to Texas, and we did canoe camping on the Rio Grande River in Big Bend National Park, which was an amazing experience because there's so few people doing it. And we hired a guide because it it just seemed like it was better to you know we didn't know the river right and, right. Um, so the three of us were the only three people camped along an 80-mile stretch of the Rio Grande in this big, giant canyon um, between Mexico and Texas. We were the only three people in this whole 80-mile-long river wilderness area, which is really, I think, special. That You know, you think you have to share Yellowstone with thousands and thousands of people, and here we were in this amazing place, and there were just three of us, so... But you got to paddle to get there. Is is there are there some things that you need to think about and consider if you're going to get out like that and and maybe get off the beaten path a little bit? Uh, and and I'm thinking about wildlife and and um, you know poison berries and stuff. You know. <laughs> well, don't eat don't eat the vegetation. <laughs> Okay, um, I would say never, never eat the vegetation unless but, you're an expert. But if you're going to get off the beaten path, should you, um, you know, arrange for a guide? Not necessarily. I mean, if you're going to walk the Appalachian Trail and camp, you don't need a guide. You just follow yeah. the trail. But you do have to be aware that you have to, and you have to put your food up and trees to keep the black bears away from it and things like that um and um you know generally don't approach the wildlife is a good a good rule no matter where you are even if you're not camping you know you hear these stories every summer about people that for some reason think they can walk up to a, a, a buffalo and the black hills or yellowstone and take a selfie with the buffalo and then end up getting trampled um and um so, yeah, I think that you have to be aware of your surroundings. I mean, I hired a guide for the Rio Grande because it was a river trip. Water is just a lot more dangerous than hiking, right, or driving up to a place. Yeah. And, and I also figured that a guide would be able to show us things we wouldn't have found on our own. And he was great at spotting wildlife, which I would have never seen. Um, this oh, canyon that we, that we paddled through had walls on both sides as high as the, the Empire State Building. And 
there's wildlife up there on, on the cliff faces, but it blends in at camouflages, and this guy was great at spotting it out. And he was also great at little side, side canyons. There was a place called Fern, Fern Canyon that we would have never found on our own because it, it looks like nothing from the river. But you hike up, um, and there's a canyon covered in ferns and little waterfalls and things like that. It's a little oasis that is totally hidden from the river, but he knew where it was. Um, and also I hired a guy because he knows what the river's like, you know, where the currents are, where the sandbars and the rock bars are and things like that. Um, I would be much more tempted to do it on my own if I was in northern Minnesota. And I feel like I wouldn't need a guide in Voyageurs National Park or Boundary Waters, right? And um, where the water is flat and because it's lakes or, or channels between lakes. Um, and um, I just don't feel like it's, it, it's, there's potential hazards up there like there would be on a, on a remote desert river between Mexico and the U.S. So. Interesting. Um, have you been to all of the the campgrounds that are in this book? No, of course not. <laughs> that would have taken me a decade. Um, well, if it, it would have taken me five hundred nights if I stayed at each one. So that's you know you're going on almost two years right there, um, and I had a year to write the book. Um, so I, I basically, I, I didn't, I didn't mean in preparation for the book, Joe. <laughs> I, I meant over the course of your life. Um, oh no, 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 no. Um, I went to as many as I possibly could over a year with writing in between, um, and a lot of them I had visited already in doing the parks book that came out a couple of years before. Um, a hundred parks for National yeah, Geographic. Wasn't that for the the hundredth anniversary of the National Park Service? It came out. No, that was um, in 2016 because it was okay. founded in 1916. Um, so it was for they missed a, they missed the boat on that one. <laughs> but they but I did help them write an update of their National Park Guidebook for that that okay. came out in 2016 for the hundredth anniversary. Um, but my parks book was on not just national parks, but state parks, city parks, some national wildlife refuges, some national forests and things like that. Um, so it was on a wide variety of different parks in the U.S. and Canada. Um, and um, so I stayed at a lot of campgrounds or, or visited a lot of campgrounds and cabins doing that book. Um, and just over the years, an accumulation of basically starting from when I was in college trying to, to go to as many national parks as possible and camp out and things like that. Um, the other ones, I, you know, I relied a lot on, you know, I sent my kids out on expeditions to find things in Montana and Wyoming and where they were, you know, I had a daughter who was living in Boston, so she went out in New Hampshire and Vermont and Massachusetts and Maine and found stuff for me. And I asked a lot of friends about their favorite places and where they like to go and, where I couldn't, where I didn't have friends or family, I um, contacted state tourist boards or local tourist boards and said, "What are your some of your favorite places to camp?" And then checked them out myself by contacting the owners or the rangers. And so I had to have a personal contact, some kind of contact with all 500, actually 550 of the campsites in this book. There's there's 40 in Canada and there's 10 between Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. So there's Really, five fifty altogether. Does the um, does does the book um, uh, 
have, in addition to all the great Nat Geo photography and reproductions, um, does it does it have um, advice and tips about how long in advance to to plan ahead? Because um, I imagine that there's no one size fits all; that it's different depending on what park you're looking at. It, you know, yeah, it is, and it's it's not in there because one size definitely does not fit all. Um, and I, and I people ask me that question all the time, even before this book came out, especially with the national parks, how long do I have to plan ahead? And I basically say a year. You really, if you're going to a major national park and you, and you want to stay in the park, you really have to start planning a year ahead. And it really isn't. And I learned that the hard way because when my wife was pregnant at one point, I took her to the Grand Canyon for the first time. And much like you were saying, I thought, well, just like when I was in college or a kid, yeah. we can just roll up and find a place. But when we got there, there wasn't room at the inn. And we had to keep start driving. And we didn't find a place until we were more than an hour away from the Grand Canyon. And it was a hole-in-the-wall little motel at the side of the road that we stayed in one night and then got out of Dodge. Um, so I learned the hard way that you had to make reservations. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, um, not a happy camper that trip. No, no, especially especially traveling with a, a, a pregnant woman in a tiny little dirty <laughs> room um, <laughs> that you had to crawl over our suitcases to get to the bathroom. Oh, no. Um, so, but if you go in the off-season you're much more likely to find something. The off-season basically meaning April or October these days because May and September, they're pretty packed still. Or going in the winter. I think some of the parks are amazing in the winter. Um, you don't necessarily, again, have to camp in a tent. You can stay in a cabin or you can go glamping, oh, sure. you know, stay in someone else's tent um, or stay in a yurt or a treehouse or things like that. And some parks are just amazing with snow on the ground, and it's a totally different, you know, experience. Um, and it's much easier to get reservations in the winter, <laughs> no matter where you are. I bet. Um, Joe, it's been a real pleasure, as always, talking with you, and thanks for spending this time with me. What's next for you? Well, um, I've gone back to the Global Cities book that I was doing before COVID hit for National Geographic, 100 <laughs> Cities, which is... My picks for the 100 best cities around the globe to visit, um, which is supposed to be out later this year unless they decide to delay it again because of COVID or because of what happened in the Ukraine today. Um, and I'm working on a trails book, um, 100, 100 Trails in the U.S. and Canada, which will be out next year. And after that, I go into a 50 States food book. Um, of regional dishes and the best restaurants in all 50 states and the Canadian provinces. Ooh, that sounds um, like fun. Well, Joe, so I hope you'll... tied down for a couple of years going forward. <laughs> well, I hope you'll come back and visit along the way as these things uh, make it uh, out into, uh, into the world. Joe, it's been a real pleasure. Keep up the good work. Thanks very much, and thanks for having me again, and have a good day. All right, take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Again, that was Joe uh, Yogurst, and um, he is uh, a a travel expert and and um, editor, writer, and photographer. Um, 
he's worked all over the world, really. And uh, the new book from National Geographic is 50 States, 500 Campgrounds, Where to Go, When to Go, What to See, What to Do, um, with uh, contributor and travel expert Joe Yogurst. We're going to have more of the Tom Sumner program. my hands I don't touch my face I stay at home shelter in place social distance don't go to work I wear a mask and gloves I stay away from church Folks, and should I sneeze, I do it in my elbow or up my sleeve. Six feet apart, that is the rule, and I pray for the day the kids can go back to school. I'm washing my hands Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors And I'm sick of what I see Two more weeks of quarantine Death of me, death of me. I risk a trip to the grocery store to buy a TV and a few things more. But when I get there, all I can find is sixteen honey buns. And some mad dog wine I'm washing my hands Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors Cause I'm sick of what I see So this quarantine's gonna be the death of me. The death of me. You know they say this is war, but we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Pork Chop Hill. And we just lay here on the couch and watch TV. Whew, I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid to parachute into Wuhan and find that little fellow that ordered that bad soup. I know I'm talking out of my head, saying crazy stuff over and over like, yes, dear, yes, dear. At breakfast, I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. Well, what slipped out was, you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized <laughs> as soon as I regained consciousness. 
Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Quiplet Technology, Mark Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. It's Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. 
Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov slash AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Hello, Mutter. Hello, Fada. Here I am at Camp Granada Camp is very Entertaining And they say we'll have some fun If it stops raining I went hiking With Joe Spivey He developed Poison Ivy You remember Leonard Skinner He got tomain poisoning Last night after dinner All the counselors Hate the waiters And the lake has Alligators And the head coach Wants no sissies So he reads to us From something called Ulysses Now I don't want This should scare you But my bunkmate Has malaria You remember Jeffrey Hardy They're about to organize a searching party Take me home, oh Madafada Take me home, I hate Granada Don't leave me out in the forest Where I might get eaten by a bear Take me home, I promise I will not make noise or mess the house with other boys oh please don't make me stay i've been here one whole day (laughs) dearest father darling mother how's my precious little brother let me come home if you miss me I would even let Aunt Bertha hug and kiss me Wait a minute It stopped hailing Guys are swimming Guys are sailing Playing baseball Gee, that's better Modafada, kindly disregard this letter Every year at this time, I go to the camp Oh, really? I didn't know that. What camp is it? Well, it's just a little camp upstate. Yeah, well, where is it? Maybe I've been there. No, I don't think you've ever been to this camp. It's just a little place hidden away, a lot of places around it. 
Yeah, well, well, what's the name of the camp? Well, it's Camp uh, uh, Sunny Sunshine. <laughs> Sunny Sunshine? One of these places where the uh, sun worshippers? Not so loud. Just say it's a topless camp. That's, that's not bad. From the toes up. Oh. I like it. What, what do you want to go to a place like that for? Hey, baby. No. I mean, what for? Oh, you meet pretty ladies there. I found a girl there. She was great. She was very bashful, though. Now, now what's a bashful girl doing in a place like Camp Sunny Sunshine? Well, a lot of this. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me you wanted to get away? You could go to my place out in the desert. Beautiful out there. Miles away from anybody. I didn't know Oh, there's nothing like it. You get up with the dawn. You get out there 5 o'clock in the morning all by yourself. Walk out into the desert. You stand there and you just stare at a yucca tree. You know, I've sat out there. I've looked at 700 yucca trees. No two of them shaped alike. At Camp Sunny Sunshine. Same thing with the girls. No jokes. Now, Frank, you know, the picture of you at a camp like that is really kind of funny. What? Well, look at the way you're, you're getting flabby. Oh. Yeah, you are. It's, and it's all the way you eat. You're kidding. I'm getting fat. That's right. You know, all you need is positive thinking. Whenever you get hungry, just say, I am not hungry. Say it out loud. I am not hungry. I tried that. How'd it work? I can't talk with my mouth full. Oh, God. And another thing, alcohol is no good for you. I'll drink to that. No, you... They, they have a lot of help for people that have that kind of problem. There's a new pill. Yes, sir. You take this pill, you're not hungry for eight hours. Sleeping pill? No, it's not a sleeping pill. It's a diet pill. Oh, if I'm awake, I'm hungry. You know what you're really... To help you, a lot of people just die. What you really need is exercise. You haven't exercised since you left high school. The exercise is great for you. Put you in trim. I get all the exercise I need painting. Painting? Yeah. I didn't know you. What do you paint? Pictures. I got a little girl comes in twice no, a week. No, no, no. I, I, mean, I mean real exercise. You know every morning of my life, the first thing in the morning, before I have my breakfast, before I shower, before I read my mail, I run five miles. Oh, you ought to move that mailbox closer. No, I, I mean, it's, it's every morning, five miles out there. It's great. It's uh, wonderful. I tried running five miles once. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah, it's great. I slept all the way back in the cab. Uh, if, if, I'm telling you about exercise. It's great for the heart. You'll live longer. I don't know about that. I got a friend you wouldn't believe. Exercise. That's all he thought of. Push-ups. Exercise. Running. You wouldn't believe. He had muscles. Oh, why, at 33 years old, he went just like that. I don't believe. Truck hit him. Oh, God. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing. You get a little exercise every day at nighttime. Boy, you will sleep like that. I feel terrible. What's the matter? I'm not getting enough rest. Why don't you go to bed and go to sleep? I do, but I dream. It's all those dreams. Really? Dreams are good for you. They're very good. They're necessary. Why, certainly. Hey, did you ever go in the kitchen and see a tea kettle sitting on the stove? Did you ever just stand there and look at that tea kettle? I've never been that drunk. No, no, I mean... You you, you know... You stare at tea kettle? No, you don't stare at tea kettle. They're going to haul you away. Now, wait a minute. I mean, you, you take a tea kettle, right? You fill it full of water. You put a fire under it. What does a tea kettle do? That's right. You know what it's doing? It's letting off steam, and that's what dreams do for you. They let you let off steam. You should be glad to be dreaming. Yeah, but I got this one dream that worries me. Oh, you got a dream that worries you. That's pretty bad. What, what is it? Same thing every night. Oh, yeah. Same thing. I go to sleep, right? Yeah. Now I'm asleep, and I'm dreaming, and there's a knock on the door. Yeah. I wake up. I open the door. Yeah, well, who's there? A lady in a bikini. Well, do you know her? I do after five or ten minutes. <laughs> now, come on, seriously. That's what you dream. You had the same dream every night? Some nights I wake up screaming. What are you screaming? Come in! <laughs> well, in the, in the morning after a dream like that, are you tired? Depends how long she stays. Oh, come on. 
actually, you know, if, that, if you're serious about that dream, it's a perfectly normal dream. Why should it worry you? Well, I moved to a new apartment this morning, and I'm not too sure she knows the new address. Right. <laughs> Post office can take care of you. Is that the only dream you have? No, sometimes I dream of steam shovels. Steam shovels? Thousands and thousands of steam shovels. Well, what are they doing? <laughs> and that's all. There's just a lot of steam shovels out in the field whistling. Well, they're moving. Oh well, then somebody's driving them. The lady in the bikini. <laughs> Let me ask you do, you: do you ever do you ever eat late at night? I mean, just before you go to bed, you eat. Well, sure, have a little snack. Well, that that's that may be the clue to the whole thing. For example, what did you eat last night before you went to bed? Well, let's see. I ordered a couple of pizzas. Pizzas? Yeah. You eat a couple of highly seasoned pizzas before you go to bed? I love pizzas. Well, that's terrible. Well, I wash them down with a little Chianti, and then I go to sleep. Oh, that's what do you dream about? An Italian lady. <laughs> I know, wearing a bikini. No, mostly anchovies, melted cheese, little tomatoes. You know, I, you ought to see a doctor about this. I did. What did he say? Come in! This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. Thanks for tuning in. want to say thanks to uh, all of my guests from the show uh, this past hour with Joe Yogurst from National Geographic talking about 50 states and 500 campgrounds. Before that, a fascinating conversation with uh, physicist Melvin Felton talking about his book, Universe Within, that reveals that the human brain is a physical model of the universe. And we started out this morning um, a little closer to home. We had uh, Yvonne Lewis, Director of Outreach for Genesee Health Plan. She joined me by phone, along with uh, uh, Julie Forbush, the Business Development Representative for Savita Credit Union. And we were talking about the Health Plans Heritage Essay Contest. It's the seventh annual. Sovita is the signature sponsor of the event. So we talked about that and, uh, and a bunch more with Yvonne and Julie. I want to say thanks to them for being part of it. There's smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. Get to spend the weekend off. But uh, join me Monday for a very special edition of the Tom Sumner program. It's the last day of um, Black History Month. So a special show in honor of uh, Black History Month coming up Monday. In the meantime, have a great uh, have a great weekend. Stay warm and dry and I'll see you Monday with another edition of the Tom Sumner program. Good night everybody. The Tom Sumner program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.